I'm, I miss the days when like we would do podcasts and you were like eating Burger King while we were doing it. Oh, so, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt oh, yeah. all this like burger flavored burger riffing, but I did just get a call about my Percy flavored Percy. Oh, what happened? Oh, nothing new, nothing exciting. Oh, they still felt the need to like uh, update me to be like, yeah, no, we still got you, you. heard about this coronavirus? And I had to be like, yeah, okay. yeah actually, sounds bad. Mm. Can't give you. A Sorry, no pussy. Do you get like a Domino's pizza tracker for your new pussy? <laughs> it's like it's it's still in the the prep stage. <laughs> Quality okay. control. Oh boy, it's on bake. Hello and welcome to TF, that podcast you're listening to right now at the moment. It's me, Riley. I'm here with Milo. Hello, it's, it's me, your boy. And we also have uh, Hussein and Alice. Have you heard coffee. about this COVID? <laughs> Drinking coffee, flavoured mm. coffee. Uh, the way, right. the way COVID the way that real men um, were supposed that's to right. have it. We're having to podcast flavoured podcasts. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. exactly. And we're about mm. to, and I have read book flavoured book. Um, just showing up at the Apple Podcast app and just going like, uh, can I just get a podcast, please? Yeah, that's yeah, what Pete Buttigieg's podcast is. Pete Buttigieg's new podcast is simply called Podcast. It's genre, podcast, mm. tags, podcast. <laughs> he does every podcast. Like, he investigates a crime that was somehow committed by a chimp. No, if, come on. If he's investigating any historical crimes, they'll have been committed by him and his friends. Ah. Um, so <laughs> Allegedly. What are we? No, I'm, fuck that. <laughs> he's in the CIA. Um... I assume. Uh, so mm. we are uh, we are talking today about what can only be described as a book flavored book. That's right. Nice. Conceptually straight out of 2015, but somehow published this year. Mm. When you have a thirst for knowledge, but you just want to read a, a dang book. Yeah, this, this, I don't uh, want one of these books that has a point or a title. No. I just want some some pages with I letters to, on I, there. I have That's to correct. like drop the veil a little bit here and say that I worked on the notes for this with Riley. And one of the things, I posted this on Twitter, if you saw, maybe. Um, I said afterwards to the others that reading the notes for this felt like eating a pound and a half of damp sand. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And Which is weirdly the current prep stage that Alice's new pussy is on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why my surgeon has to do that, but go off, yeah. I guess. Mm. They gotta have the sand. So, we are talking about uh, Twilight of Democracy, the seductive lore of authoritarianism, uh, a book by Anne Applebaum where she it's wonders... It's like we wrote that title. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It might as well be like Brain Chess, the yeah. Battle of the Mind. <laughs> yeah, Intelligence is. of the Mind Gods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we are we've read this book and it is as Alice said, it's like reading it's like eating a pound and a half of wet it's, sand. It's also just, like reading a pound and a half of wet sand. <laughs> it's like yeah. it is it is a lot like wet sand. So before we go into too much more detail, I just want to like have a little bit of a moment to talk about like who Anna, is Anne Applebaum like as a theorist and what is this book for? So Applebaum is best understood generally like yeah as a neoconservative but also as like a liberal institutionalist. And, and what that means for her, right, is her whole political theory is designed around the importance of institutions 
and then looking at what those institutions do at face value and then taking them at face value and believing that every outcome in the world around you derives from those institutions. So these can be institutions like the uni- a university in particular, the Senate, or even a concept like meritocracy. And the surface level belief co- here is that politics is a technical problem and institutions exist to coordinate resources and efforts for optimal outcomes between players that can't necessarily easily make those coordinations. So you invade Iraq to improve its institutions, you create the conditions that lead to a TGI Fridays appearing outside of Fallujah. And what's this book for? This book is ostensibly an account of the political collapse of the center by the various chancers and hamburgers, hamburgers and used car salesmen we've all come to know and love, and how the process of elite fracture has affected Anne personally. But what it actually is, is an account of her time in the political woods, uh, no longer useful to the right wing of capital, which has now become revolutionary as opposed to conservative, uh, and is designed to appeal to the Democratic or Labor parties under new management, which are now the home of the old institutionalist center right, the Bush era neocons, the Rachel Reeves, all these people. And so really, this book has to be seen as an audition by Ann Applebaum, where she can once again find relevance that leads her to host good parties again, right? Because the the great balance of political forces has changed. And what and what was the you know well, new labor or the sort of Bush era Republicans is now the Democrats because the Tories and the uh, uh, Republicans now are as sort of qualitatively different it doesn't mean they're worse it just means they're different and they don't need people like Anne because they don't communicate in that style so with with that in mind and that this book is like an audition tape to for her to like get back in the good graces of the democrats who now represent her worldview let's get into it nationalism yeah, is kind and, of thing and, and essentially like we have come to the perfect synecdoche for this which is that like the book on international liberalism tastes like drywall there's nothing there and it is essentially her attempt to explain in 2020 why there has been this growth, this, this political fracturing, this moment of rupture with the past, where all of a sudden it seems like there are these yeah, sort like of we're in forces of nationalism 2020 over here. Yeah. The hell world, right. am I right? Yeah. Damn, I, I, I think I saw that on Tiger King. Mm. Um, no, but the, uh, the, the, the point is, right, that this different kinds of this book have been written since 2015, and this is one of the worst ones. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So to hear Applebaum tell it of her own book, and we'll go into a little more details of this as we get on, uh, it is about the... Oh, and before we get into this as well, like this isn't just some random pamphlet. This has been feted in The Observer and the... Yeah, because the Anne various, Applebaum used yeah. to write for The Spectator and was yeah. like this kind of like leading luminary of the, I guess internationalist liberal kind of vibe. Riley, it's just yeah. occurred to me, you might be the only person on earth who's read this entire book. I don't even think Anne Alphabalm has read the whole thing. <laughs> I think bits of it, she was just doing the like auto autocorrect suggest <laughs> next word thing. Oh, yeah. Some of this could definitely have been written by an AI. Um, yeah, so like basically, yeah, she is she is from an old political tendency that is wondering where its time in the sun went. And, mm. and the great thing about this is that this uh, reflection is undertaken without a modicum of self-reflection at all throughout this text, and it is just another lovely, fun little romp through the sort of death knells of what might be called centrism. Dude's rock. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like book? reading a book in 1935 written by an Austro-Hungarian prince that's like, oh, I don't people respect the ancient dynasties anymore. 
<laughs> so I think I saw that one in the Spectator this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've they've started getting those guys back, Alex. Oh, really? <laughs> it's actually good to have a huge jaw. <laughs> well, no, there's a Habsburg that doesn't stop writing in the Spectator now and says that people oh, who make yes. fun of his jaw are like, <laughs> yeah, Ed, no, Edward Habsburg. <laughs> All the better to chew you with. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, he actually says, "Oh, ha ha, I'm a Habsburg. I've heard all the ch- all the chin jokes." <laughs> you can look them up on Twitter. I've got some Fritzel jokes you haven't heard, bitch. <laughs> so, uh, to hear Applebaum tell it, this book is about the growth of what she calls a nationalist international, whether by far right oh, parties such a like Hungary. Wonk phrase. Yeah, yeah, she's a wonk. Mm. Uh, whether by far right parties like Hungary's Fidesz, Poland's Law and Justice, the Front National in France, or the transformation of nominally center right parties such as the Tories or GOP, uh, through the splintering of her own central right social sphere into never Trumpers, into never Trumpers and moderates, her and her friends, and the headbangers who have all the actual power, but none mm. of the cultural respect. So winners so- and whiny losers. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. This is a book about winners and losers, and it's a book about the written by the losers saying, actually, they're the real losers because they didn't play the game good. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. And so what this book actually is, from what I can see, Applebaum has written a book about why social media, professional jealousy, and the sensible right learning how to be insane from the left mean that Anne Applebaum's parties are no longer as star-studded as they used to be. Damn, you hate to see it. Yeah. It's it's fucking ruined the Volavons table. In, in in my opinion, that's the main problem. <laughs> uh, of <laughs> absolutely, ironically, this is something that she shares with Trump. Like yes. Trump associates everything with the quality of party. An Applebaum's party. I went there. Not hot. Yeah. Not hot. Both yeah. of these no people were like built their entire personality around their parties in the eighties, and it's just that Trumps were like good, possibly. <laughs> Yeah. I went to a party at Gorka's house. Yeah. Derek Jeter was there. <laughs> and Applebaum's house. No one there. Some Polish guy. Don't know him. <laughs> Never heard of him. Never doesn't have a building. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so here, for I think our purposes, this is like the killer paragraph of why this book can be safely mm. ignored by any serious person. Okay. Because any centrist account of sort of things must sort of and at some point make its explanation for why things like inequality or the relations of production aren't the problem. And then whatever, you know, the and why my right party is, is not problem. being good is the problem. Yeah. Well, no, it's the mm. um, they have to they have to dismiss the right wing and the left wing answers. Right. So they have to dismiss like it's the immigration. They have to dismiss it's the economy. And I always I love finding the paragraph where they do that. And here's the mm. paragraph where Anne does that in the book. And that's we're going to go through the rest of it in chronological order. But this God help us. This <laughs> is going to be the thing that sets the table. So I'm spreading out a little lit, nice lit, white linen tablecloth. Mm laying the silverware in front of you, mm. and no one's sitting down, because it's a terrible book about a terrible is, party. Is there a wine pairing for this paragraph? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this one goes with a Sauterne, for sure. Mm. No, so, it doesn't. This today, one goes with paint stripper. <laughs> today <laughs> is not 1937. Thanks, Anne. Okay, thanks. Yep. Uh, yep. Nevertheless, a parallel transformation is taking place in our time, both among the thinkers, writers, journalists, and political activists in Poland, a country where I've lived for three decades. She uses that as an example. Mm. As well as the rest of the societies we have come to call the West. Everywhere, this transformation is taking place without the excuse of an economic crisis of the kind Europe and North America suffered in the 1920s uh, and 30s. Uh, oh, oh, I know what you're about to say. Let's not a barbershop quartet. What about the recession of 2008 to 2009? Yeah, what about that? Yeah, that? It finished in 2009. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and the consequences of it ceased to be felt. No. 
then. Yes. That's what she says. Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, man. Come on, re- you can't be this stupid this early on in the episode. <laughs> the recession of 2008-2009 was deep, but at, le- but at least until the coronavirus pandemic, growth had returned. At least until the water bust into the last of the flooded compartments on the Titanic. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the stern really had stabilized. For fucking who? This is like, this is like, ah, I can't, it's too early in the yeah, episode for this. I can't shout it. this much this early in the episode. But this is literally like, to draw an analogy, this is like, imagine like the fucking, the economy or like the people of like Britain. Imagining it. Right. A fucking one guy who's being shot by a firing squad. <laughs> and 2008 to 2009 is him just being riddled with machine gun bullets. <laughs> and then in 2009, they're like, but you've stopped being shot now. So I think we can all agree that it's going to be fine. There's no need for medical attention. <laughs> Look, your hand is still fine. Exactly. We'll sew it on yeah. to someone else. Yeah. Uh, so so we've, now we've dealt with the economic explanation, and that's like all of that's all that economics gets in the book. There you mm. go. There's the limit. Yeah. It all went fine. Um, the refugee crisis of 2015-16 was a shock, but it has abated. Cool. Yeah, because no the more EU- pushback is coming. Yes. Also, the e- and also, yeah, because it was abated because the EU strung a bunch of like barbed wire across the southern Mediterranean and has been painting its southern flank red with blood. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Uh, oh. Oh. So by 2018, refugees from North Africa and the Middle East had mostly stopped coming to Europe thanks to deals done with Turkey and the EU deals. and its mainstream politicians. <laughs> yeah, commissioner ah. deals of the EU. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks to deals done by Turkey with the EU and its mainstream politicians. So it's like, look, we did the reasonable argument and we created the charnel house along yeah, the wh- wh- southern wh- half of Europe. What deals exactly did they do and how did this lead to uh, Turkey occupying parts of northern Syria? Uh, no, don't, don't ask. Yeah. Uh, uh, she, oh, uh, Alice, I'll tell you, she does not. Hmm. This is this is as much as this gets treated. It's like, well, it couldn't be refugees because the EU has now um, is really good at repulsing them by being really dangerous, and it couldn't be the economy because top line growth has returned. It must be something else. Yeah, and growth always oh. has to measure how things are good or not. That it couldn't have yeah. ever uncoupled the line can only reflect how good things are for actual real people. If that line ever stopped, my analysis would be. Fucked. Luckily, yeah, that hasn't happened. Famously, if someone has terminal cancer and then you say, but statistically, 80% of cancers aren't terminal, they're then fine. Yeah, exactly. That's how that works. Um, so let's let's talk about this. Uh, who is Anne Applebaum? Uh, she was an American woman, and she now works as a staff writer at The Atlantic, and she spent her life between Good the US, start. UK, mm-hmm. and Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, Hussein, Normal. I want you to grip onto something. Grip onto something? Yes, grip onto something for yeah, what I'm yeah, about get, to say. Yeah, you're like, like, oh, okay, I thought I was making noise. All right, yeah. Well, okay, what I'm, we're doing, yeah, what I, we're doing is we're getting the door handles you get on a car yeah, that no one right. uses, and we're installing all of those above the microphone. Okay, all right. I am, I'm, Everyone, I'm, hold I'm, on. I'm holding on to my very solid oak tables, so ready for From it. From 2011 to 2016, she created and ran the Transitions Forum at the Legatum Institute. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> is the Transitions <laughs> Forum why I can't get my fucking pussy yet? <laughs> uh, mm. Hussein, what's the Legatum Institute? Uh, oh god, how do we describe them? Um, the Legatum Institute is, uh, well, I guess like the best- They sound very cool. Can I say that up front? <laughs> no, it sounds like a Metal Gear Solid villain. <laughs> yeah. From 2011 to 2016, <laughs> she worked as Judge Dredd. So from what I remember yeah. of them, they were kind of like a sort of like spruced up Henry Jackson society, right? They were like a neoconservative think tank. 
Wow. Yes. Awesome. They were like kind of they got into a bit of they got into a bit of controversy because they were doing oh, okay, like I kind of remember it, but it's not I, I feel like it had something to do with like their work with China or Russia. Uh yeah, something like this. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, so she created and ran the transitions forum at the Legatum Institute. You know what in this UK. is? This is like uh-huh. the early learning center version of the Bilderberg group. Like it's it, it's it's the perfect riposte to the idea that there is a secret one world government because all of the people who try to make one end up doing like uh sort of like long seminars about how the West was good that nobody goes to. Oh, mm. here are two of the projects that she ran: oh, uh, the future of Syria and the future of Iran. Two different projects. Cool. That sounds so, great. Yeah. So, yep. I, I so I just like I I just kind of remembered some of it. So they were also they're also like one of the very few remaining think tanks. So it's very kind of like oddly libertarian, free markets across the world. Very kind of pro intervention as well, like pro like military intervention. Oh, the most libertarian um, thing. Yeah. Um. So in many ways, yeah. Again, like they just kind of they just remind me of like what the Henry Jackson society was back in like the mid two thousands, but even like the VHJS have sort of kind of like pulled back a little bit because they sort of realized that like the tides of history aren't really in their favor, but the Legatum Institute is very, yeah, still very much like on the warpath in a very literal sense. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, Legatum. So she left. um, Thank you. She left. We got him. (laughs) So the, we got him Institute. Yeah. Uh, She left when they start, they basically went super Brexity. Because, like, she's a liberal internationalist. Like, she likes institutions and things of that nature. Like, mm. it's a type of IR theory, and she kind of embodies it. Uh, and so, it, she likes intervention and things of that nature. Uh, she left and they started flying drones over the Nor- Northern Irish border to somehow make what? the case for a no-deal Brexit. <laughs> when they what? Awesome. And not like, like, not like, like, predator drones. Just, like, you know, little quadcopters to, like, film it and be like, look, it's friendly, easy to have no border. neighborhood drones. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and that's why did the liberals love drones so much that they just used them for things that you could use other things for? Just doing the uh, like fucking Mary Poppins thing of the animals help you clean the room, but it's a bunch of quadcopters just tying some, a some sheet. Drone, some drone who like swore he'd never bomb a Yemeni hospital ever again, <laughs> just like in retirement taking some jobs surveying the Irish countryside. <laughs> um, like, ah, this can't fill the hole in my soul. So, and, but, <laughs> Why like, is this, this Father this... McMurphy man down there throwing rocks at me? Yeah. <laughs> so this should give you the case in point of the book, right? Which is that the right wing no longer needs it's high-minded intellectuals who will write blog posts about a missile gap with Venezuela. Oh, like, no. That... That kind of Harvard Kennedy School, LSE, like I said, like liberal internationalist is no longer necessary to the project of preserving capital. Oh, no. Empire has a different way. Yeah. And, and so like, it's just she's become obsolete. It's not like society has gone down a dark path. It's just the people like capital no longer needs her help to take it down a dar- and her, mm. her help of her friends to take it down a dark path. Yeah, you can just like, bomb stuff it. because you want to now. Yeah. yeah, now since Triggerpod, now people just Google Venezuela on their own. <laughs> so, um, before and also we have to ask who is Radek Sikorsky? Who is uh, Radek Sikorsky? Yeah. We ask that every day. We do every every morning. I wake up and I ask that. Uh, Did that's, he invent the helicopter? Uh, it's Anne Applebaum's <laughs> husband. <laughs> it's Anne Applebaum's husband. He was like a wealthy, wealthy Polish guy, like a long anti-communist pedigree. He was educated at Pembroke College, Oxford, where he's a member of the Bullingdon Club. Before rising, oh, awesome. pretty hot friends with David Sorry, Cameron and Sorry, did this guy come Johnson. off of a PKP like propaganda poster? Oh, anti-communist <laughs> Poles—they're all like in this insane English nonce club. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, don't forget, like to join that at some point, you have to like burn a fifty-pound note in front of a homeless person mm-hmm. to like show how much you detest them. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so, but he and so the, the when it gets to the Bullington Club stuff later, and it's like, oh well, that was all a joke back then. Yeah, it's real as a now, bit. though. Yeah, you're only being fascist <laughs> as a bit. Yeah, that's um, cool. Yeah, so uh, where he was rose pretty high in, in Polish center right politics, becoming Minister of Defense for a couple of years for the party civic platform. Mm. This is from his Wikipedia. It's also very funny. From 2002 to 2005, Sikorsky was a resident fellow of the American Enterprise Institute and executive director of the New Atlantic Initiative. He organized inter- international conferences, and so I'm citing two names here of the international conferences he organized, including Ronald Reagan, A Legacy for Europe. Okay. Ooh. And Axis of Evil, Belarus, The Missing Link. <laughs> Intelligence that's just, too. That's just Brains of the mind gods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Belarus is some like weird primate. We may yeah, never so understand could- Belarus. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but it is evil, and we should invade yeah. it. Uh, exactly. I'm, I'm we inv- need to get our hands on those potatoes yeah. before it's too late. I'm a very serious person, and I spent at least a little bit of my life in a club where you burn money in front of the homeless and wreck up restaurants because you can afford to yeah, pay for and them. Then, uh, Giant, come and take them! <laughs> we will not let you have them! I do not care if we are missing Link in the secret axis of evil! We will defend Belarus! Yeah. And, so, and so both Alexander of these, Lukashenko. Both, both, both he and his wife boys. then, like, graduated into this blob of, like, doing seminars about how, like, Belarus is part of the axis of evil or the future mm. of Iran. Mm-hmm. And, and, ah, and now, and now Iran thankfully, is a big mustache. We, we now have like President Deals and his uh, like uh, lanky son in law roaming the world doing deals that immediately fall apart instead of that. And I much yeah. prefer this. I much prefer Jared Kushner organizing the definitive Middle Eastern peace deal of getting Serbia and Kosovo to move their embassies to Jerusalem. And then as soon as the <laughs> Prime Minister of Serbia sees what he's just signed, you can see him on camera just put his head in his hands that's yeah. the thing that i like yeah Damn. just just a complete morons fucking like, like this has always been complete morons fucking up all the time it's just the morons now the morons are, now you know, don't bother with yeah. like seminars which is mu- it saves no. everyone's mm. time no, I love the idea of the Serbian president being like, this is too spicy of an international <laughs> political well, no, move for literally, me. Literally, all they did was a classic Trump move, where they got Vucic in the room, and then they said, okay, just sign this, and presumably told him it was like, I don't know, something cool. He did, and then he was in the room as Trump announced that he, he had just committed to moving the Serbian embassy to Jerusalem, and you can see him look to his aide, look to the paper, leaf through the paper, and then just put his head in his hand. It's beautiful. Why does this say that I am gay? So, uh, (laughs) so look. So the point is, right? Like, it's that the goals have basically always been the same. It's just now the goals are undertaken by like funny amateur criminal. Like now the goals Mm. are undertaken by like the villains from Home Alone. Yeah. And it used to be undertaken by grad school people. None of these people have ever in their lives been one and a half steps ahead of like federal agents from the Department of the Interior. (laughs) So (laughs) let's talk about the first party. On December 31st, 1999, we threw a party. Nice. We held it at Chobolin, a small manor house in northwest Poland that my husband, Radek Sikorsky, and his parents had purchased a decade earlier when it was a mildewed, uninhabitable ruin, of course, unrenovated since the previous occupants yeah. fled the Red Army in 1945. Using fled the, the, what? <laughs> the fled previous the what? occupants who were also their relatives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, when the previous one walked- fled the what and when? The previous occupants fled the Red Army in 1945 uh, for some reason. Why'd you do that? Hmm. 
Oh, I don't know, probably you have for a jog. Yeah. Like a Forrest Gump situation. Yeah. You just go for a run and you know you just keep jogging. <laughs> I probably just really hated the color red. Yeah. Too gaudy. Yeah. Um you know, I'm sure real estate was, you know, booming back then. Mm, but yeah. uh you could have lumped the majority of us roughly in the general category of what polls call the right. Conservatives, anti communists. But at that moment in history, you might have called us liberals. <sighs> Free market liberals, classical liberals, even Thatcherites. Oh, the famous left-wing yeah. Thatcherites. Well, like, li- like liberal, like, like the market liberal. and capital, yeah. capital liberalism, uh, neoliberalism, okay. things of that nature. <laughs> Mr. Chapo. <laughs> to me, that's point, preposterous. I, Classical liberals, point, things of that nature. Yeah. At yeah. one point, I went upstairs, learning Boris Yeltsin had resigned, wrote a brief column for a British newspaper, awesome party, uh, mm. then went back downstairs and had another glass of wine. At about three in the morning, one of our wackier Polish guests pulled a small pistol out of her handbag and shot blanks into the air out of sheer exuberance. Uh, uh, because that's okay. the thing. Everyone was really exuberant that this had happened. Every mm. single person. Yeah, when Boris Yeltsin resigned, that was actually really good. And nothing bad <laughs> happened as a result yeah. of that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. And it was it was it hustled it. It, it ushered, ushered in a new era. Uh, but the party yeah. lasted all Which night. Which was a good era. Yeah. yeah great era. <laughs> yeah. And, and nothing bad happened. I've not, I'm not going to Google it because I know that nothing bad. I've not even asked Jeeves did. It's That's been, how certain I am that Russia went from strength to fucking strength after the resignation of Boris Yeltsin. For the free market, right? It really has. Yeah. Mm. Uh, in whatever. A gra- it's been a great 20 years for Surgut and Yeftigaz, and that's what really matters. <laughs> so, right, also, right, like if you think about this, she starts her clock at 1999. And then, like, the wheels start coming off of the whole sort of liberal project yeah. in, like, 2008. At, at my first party, we seemed to have struck an iceberg, but we were all pretty fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the party lasted all night, continuing into brunch, in quotes, for some reason, the following afternoon. It was like Burkine. Well, unquote, brunch. Continuing into brunch. <laughs> continuing <laughs> into brunch in international waters. <laughs> mm. And was infused with the optimism I remember from that time. We'd rebuilt our ruined house. Our friends were rebuilding the country. We agreed about democracy, about the road to prosperity, and about the way things were going. Again, the way things were going for like eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, you're writing a book for like a lost era of prosperity that didn't last even a decade. Yeah, and most of it was presided over by George fucking Bush. Um, nearly two decades. Oh, she loved that. Nearly mm. two decades later, I would now cross the street to avoid some of the people who are at my New Year's Eve party. Yeah, I've had orgies like that, uh, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because of what happened at brunch. <laughs> after, after seeing that guy eat a cheese pizza at brunch, I have to say I couldn't look him in the eye again. Uh, the estrangements are political, not personal, and they run through not only what used to be the Polish right, but also the old Hungarian right, Spanish right, French right, Italian right, and the British right and American right, too. Uh, well, mm. that's good writing is when you list things, yeah. and the more things you yeah. list, yeah. the better the writing it's, is. It's good writing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah those are the three R's right Ladies there. Gentlemen, yeah, so <laughs> we got them. <laughs> so, so basically, right, like, she says that um, all of her friends from all of the the sort of old, not the nationalist international, but like the liberal international, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 Bush people, the 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 the, the, the Cameron people, and neoconservatives. Yeah, mm. exactly. Like the never what we can call the never Trump moderate right, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, all, the, they were all friends together back then. The Chipping Norton Little St. James axis. And now many of them are no longer friends. Oh no. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and so well, her- so the, the real the real liberalism wasn't the friends they made along uh, the no, way. No, it turns out it wasn't. I mean, who, her theory who, is to yeah, who would have thought that liberal technocrats don't make the best like you know long term friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, well, it's because her theory as to why this happens is manifold. And after several pages of achingly quoting Alexander Hamilton and Cicero and shit, she oh, introduces no. us to her first two theoretical concepts. The first one is the authoritarian sensibility, which is a concept she takes from psychologist Karen Stenner, which basically defines authoritarian people as having, quote, an aversion to complexity and debate. Oh, oh having an aversion to debate. Yeah. Yes. The worst possible thing. So if not, you want, not if tolerating you want your... my, like, extremely annoying grad school bullshit is the authoritarian yeah. sensibility. Yeah, no, mm. Not listening to maybe we should, yeah, just not listening to, like, well, maybe we should... I don't know, fucking like sponsor. Fellas, why don't we invade Belarus? I have have a long essay here about how complex it's going to be. And and you have to take that seriously or you're an authoritarian sensibility. There's nothing normal about liking debate. Stop trying to pretend that like debate is this thing everyone loves. Debate fucking sucks. All of these people people are completely averse to complexity and debate when it doesn't suit them. Right? Mm. How much debate mm. do you remember in the lead up to the Iraq War? Right? How much complexity mm. was there there? Or also, like, how much co- when uh, when what her hero that her heroes are Thatcher and Reagan? How much mm. how much complexity? Two great days. Yeah, days great together. How, with how much complexity and nuance did Thatcher deal with organized labor? Uh, applying with how much complexity, complexity and, and nuance to a coal miner's skull. Yeah, I, I think Ronald Ronald Reagan actually he apl- he looked at several different schools of thought when he ultimately settled on uh, nun strangling mm. for American foreign policy uh, in Central America. It's very complex. I will debate the Soviet Union using this laser in space. Yeah, essentially. So, the, but she, no, but no, because Anne Applebaum is unable to think outside of her own incredibly thick skull, mm. uh, because she's a real fucking dunce. Um, she basically yeah. says, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a, just no one wants to debate me about whether or not we should invade Belarus because it's on the axis of evil. I'm always saying um, an apple bombs from Baltimore, yeah. <laughs> so, and the other concept, so that's the, the concept, the authoritarian sensibility. It's, it's everywhere. People hate debate because they're like morally inferior. Cool. And the second issue is who are the players in this? And this is a concept she takes from a French essay. It's called Julien Benda. Uh, about <laughs> fascism, me, fascism's <laughs> water carriers. Uh, who he refers to as the clerks, C L E R C S. Um, oh, he had to spell so, it in French too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, and so here is a, a short quote, sort of that sums up sort of a lot of this. All right. If it happens, the fall of liberal democracy in our own time will not look as it did in the 1920s or 30s. Uh, Thanks, Anne. I don't know. Ah, the fall of liberal democracy. See, it will require a new elite, a new generation of the clerks, the essayists who morph into political entrepreneurs and propagandists who gold whole civilizations into acts of violence. Again, John, you would he be a clerk, Alice? You mm, think? Nah, he was just doing no. debate and complexity. Yeah, he was doing complexity and debate when he signed all the mm. memos that allowed um, that allowed the U.S. to start torturing people in the time Ann Applebaum thought was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he's not a clerk. He's then um, it only happened to people who weren't American. Yeah, also he's a side of brunch, right? Yeah, and yeah. he also was associated with Yale. Mm. Oh, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Or Harvard. He was associated the with people Harvard. who made the locks. Those yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> I love to go to yeah. the Chubb School of Law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's where the current generation went, and it's basically the same. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I got my chubby degree. Yeah. So uh, the clerks include the ideologues of the right as well as the left. Oh, Jermoy Crobney is getting a look in. <laughs> there is. A- 
There is actually a section, I'm not sure whether you're going to bring this up, but there is actually a section where she does kind of like equate the authoritarian sensibility to um, like momentum, right? Or something like that. Oh yeah, uh, we're totally I have a bit about the about grad it. students. Yes. Uh, mm. She says, the authoritarian predisposition is, is, piss, you guys just is carry on. understood as simple-mindedness. People are often attracted to authoritarian ideas because they are bothered by complexity. The complex- sudden- I'm sorry, I'm still not over the complexity of using large words to talk about why we should invade fucking Belarus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, it's complex. Yeah, I or guess the, so. Again, or again, like, yeah, John Yu solving the complex question of should you torture someone if I, they'll give you the code to if a bomb's gonna go off or whatever, with the simple answer of yes, you should torture them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not bothered by complexity there. A, a not not to like go back to like uh, real Norsey's kind of leftism, but like famously George W. Bush, a very complex president. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If you if you want to look at like what kind of freaks are like rehabilitating his image, it's all of the people mentioned like approvingly in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so she says, a sudden onslaught of diversity, diversity of opinions, experiences, or what have you, therefore makes the, the authoritarian predisposition person angry. What factors in the modern world might provoke people to react against complexity? People keep telling me that I'm a dumb piece of shit and I'm wasting their time. What could, what could provoke this? <laughs> what? Let's see, what could be wrong with them? Um... So she says, an authoritarian sensibility is unquestionably present in a generation of far-left campus agitators. Uh, unqu- uh, whoa, hold on. Unquestionably? No, you can't question it. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, n- yeah. Mm. If you question it, that's uh, you're a clerk. If you question right, it. Right, but like, uh, authoritarianism is when you're averse to complexity and debates, yes? Yes, correct. But that's right. unquestionably present in... Yeah, it's like a think about this as a very stupid version of the of the paradox of tolerance because they don't <laughs> like see. debate. They don't like debate. You don't have to debate them. Carl Popper. I was having a little. I was having a little think while I was having a piss, and um, it occurred mm-hmm. to me that essentially, as as I understand it, the argument that she's making here is that both the left and the right are very stupid because they they like authoritarian ideas which subscribe to like a single ideology, where she's very smart because she's able to believe in a number of contradictory ideologies at the same time. <laughs> That's right. That is the move of a brain genius. Yeah, she has a she has like a big medieval labyrinth where her brain should be. Mm. Awesome. The Minotaur of Centrism. She is, um, this is, this yeah. is a book written by one of those brain wojacks where like yeah. there's a there's a windmill up there. <laughs> um, she says, Jolene Morm lives in her mind. Check this out. Check this out. Authoritarian sensibilities unquestionably present in a generation of far left campus agitators who seek to dictate how professors can teach and what students can say. Uh-huh. So basically, if you think about cool. this, she does. She says that like Poland, it's very bad. Like Poland is, and again, Poland has gone in a very bad direction. It's become ludicrously anti-Semitic. Quite a bit of which mm, has become. been directed at Ann Applebaum. Well, it's it's let's say it's. Anti-Semitism has become much more respectable in Poland. Quite a bit of it has actually been directed at Anne Applebaum personally because, like, she's like a prominent like figure in that country. Did she enjoy debating them about that? Um, and the thi- and but like also L- anti-LGBTQ sentiment also is um massively like on the rise again. Much more respectable outside that like yeah, seven-year window. How, how in much Poland. does she care about that? Right. Well, like, she she talks about this a little bit. Whereas, for example, in the LGBTQ thing, she says like, yeah, the the clerks in the government now they're they hate diversity so much that the government can you can get like a anti like an LGBT free zone sticker from like the Law and Justice Party. But she also, 
I yeah. stick it on my ass. So when the guy's fucking me, he knows I'm not gay. So at the, but at the same time, right? She says that also it's authoritarian for like students to, you know, I don't know, like try to um, boycott a transphobic speaker. Mm-hmm. So it's like she seems to want like a free market in anti-LGBT stickers. Like, I don't really understand what her point is. Yeah. Either. Like what you just think that the process for deciding how to be anti-LGBT should mm. be more consistent? Be nice I don't to understand me. what she's be saying. Nice to uh, me. Okay, I do understand what she's saying, which is that yes, that's right. I, I was gonna make like a general point, which is like from what I kind of when I was skimming the book, like I feel that this is the general kind of sentiment that like runs through it, which is that she kind of falls into this not necessarily a trap, but like she falls into this thing that lots of this type of conservative writer falls into, which is that. They can sort of correctly diagnose particular problems, but they can't bring themselves to like entertain any other solution except for like, you should be nice to me and you should kind of kind of like come to my party and like bring yeah. me a gift of some sort. Hmm. Yeah, that, I think that's, exa- that's exactly right. Um, so like, like she, so, yeah, so like she, she identifies a lot of problems like throughout her book, whether that's kind of like economic inequality or social inequality or like, you know, again, as you said, anti-Semitism, rising homophobia, the kind of dangers of like right pop, you know, right populism and stuff. But she cannot like bring herself to um, actually kind of bring about or like to kind of even assert what she thinks solution should be. So like even at the end of the book, her conclusion is that, well, we can't really do much to like, change society or institutions so you should just kind of like hold on to your close friends really tight and show them love and invite them to your parties was oh, this written by carl over now scott <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, i think that's right it is it is essentially it, it is all of the critical depth of phase banks <laughs> but like if you forced phase banks like to do the clockwork orange ludovico technique in front of grad school well like yeah. what, 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 what 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 is what what is <laughs> it's far better to be in a norway full of people that love you than a whole house party full of sharks and raised food what is what is like what is a country house in like rural poland except for like a tiktok house or by mm-hmm. any other name I mean, essentially, it is as much political depth as a fucking TikTok house. Yeah. Um, she also says, so carrying on, she also says the new authoritarian right actually owes more to Lenin than any conservative. Mm. And- and- uh, okay, so Steve Steve Bannon called himself a Leninist when he meant an accelerationist. Um, and, like, none of these people who love complexity and debate ever consider that he might have been deploying irony or lying. <laughs> mm. Um, I mean, like in in as much as like much of the new authorita- authoritarian right seeks to seize every form of every lever of state power, every form of cultural production, and has a kind of conservative revolutionary mentality, they'd be like, yeah, but that's right, just but fascism. That's, we have a political fascism. tendency yeah. to explain revolutionary nationalism wedded to uh, like conservative sentimentality and its fascism. It's not Leninism. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, she can't mm. say that. She has to say, actually, so basically, that's what I said earlier, right? Her thesis is that the right used to be sensible, then it learned how to be crazy from Lenin. It just, uh, just none of this makes any fucking sense at all. You see what I mean? Uh, like the, the wet sand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is she suggesting that the Nazis got got their ideas from Lenin? Is that like, is that like the natural conclusion that you have to draw from this? Because they came slightly later. I think her argument, and again, it's one of those things where it's like she she kind of like trips over herself because she can't bring herself to actually like go to the logical endpoint of the problems that she diagnoses, which is like, she uses terms like being like taking more from Bolshevism 
Because what she's trying to say is that, oh, these people want to like change institutions. And she's someone who like not only kind of reveres institutions, but sort of owes her entire career and her, like her entire credibility to those institutions sort of like, you know, um, elevating her status. Right. So like mm. she yeah. can't actually comprehend anything outside of that, which I think you mentioned before, like she can't comprehend anything outside of this like box. So then the conclusions that she draws up are literally just like, oh, people are being mean online. And then people take mm. that meanness offline and it's all happening on like campuses, which again, like they revere university campuses as well. Right. Because again, this was where they were their first introduction to institutional um, prestige is mm. kind of, so like they're kind of watching not necessarily the world crumble around them, but the world they imagined existed because they owe so much of their life and their social life to that. Yeah. Sort of it's like also it's it also like collapse, right? Yeah. It's it's also kind of a Cold War last hurrah thing of like looking through my big tool set of shit that I have and like, ah, oh, it's the old anti-communism hammer, you know. <laughs> it's so it's so hollow, isn't it? Because you can imagine if she was writing this book like in Moscow in the nineteen sixties, she would just be an apparatchik who loved all of the institutions of Soviet state that had given her all her nice zeal and like, you know, all the things that she has, right? So she'd just be writing like, Oh, there are some young people who've written very unpleasant pamphlets about me recently. <laughs> of which I strongly disapprove. So basically, right, she says, so here's how she describes the new authoritarian right owing more to Lenin than others. Unlike Marxism, the illiberal one-party state is not a philosophy. Just a humdinger of a sentence right there, huh? Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, it is a mechanism for holding power. Okay. Unlike other states, which yeah. aren't. <laughs> no. <laughs> It works because mm. it clearly defines who gets to be the elite, the political elite, the cultural elite, and the financial well, elite. Unlike she, other states, she, which don't. Yeah, well, no, well she said random. it works, so that, I'm taking that as a positive <laughs> review. Thanks, Alan. Mm. Uh, in the monarchies of pre-revolutionary France and Russia, the right to rule was granted by the aristocracy. In modern Western democracies, the right to rule is granted, at least in theory, by different forms of competition. At least Campaign. in theory. Yeah. yeah, by competition such as like competition for the richest parents. Yeah, competition, campaigning, and voting, meritocratic tests that determine access to higher education, <laughs> civil service, and free meritocratic markets. Meritocratic tests. She's literally just said that fucking elections don't produce good outcomes. Like that's been like the whole point of her book so far is her talking about like populist right wing governments that she doesn't approve of. So like, in what way are elections meritocratic by her own well, fucking they've been, logic? They've been corrupted by this authoritarian tendency. Yeah, from Lenin. From oh, Lenin. Okay. Yeah, it's Lenin's fault. The right, the right learned how to be crazy from the left and then started lying for the first time ever. Mm. Oh my fucking yeah. God. Do you think we could draw a cartoon of Lenin in a Trump 2020 hat and put, and get the Democratic Party to share it as like a gotcha? Uh, well, hey, you know what? Uh, fan art, let's you, do You've got to yeah. do the like fake Cyrillic so it says doidal tiatsme. You have to make him like jacked as well. <laughs> yeah. mm. So basically, but basically, right, she says like, look, uh, Lenin's disdain for the idea of a neutral state, apolitical civil servants, and any notion of an objective media was an important part of his one-party system, too. He mm. wrote that freedom of the press is a deception. Yep. Okay. He mocked freedom of assembly as a hollow phrase. Yep. Mm -hmm. As for parliamentary democracy itself, that was no more than a machine for the suppression of the working class. Yep. Yep. Because here's like, this is, where, like, yeah, this is the other yeah, thing, right? Okay. She is not able, she's not, just like the conservative tech companies that we talked about a couple bonus episodes ago, weren't able to look at like the actual weaknesses of Facebook and Google. Mm. They were only able to look at the like cartoon versions of them they built in their mind. So mm. because like all, 
everything about this in in Applebaum's mind was evil. She says, well, freedom of assembly is a hollow phrase, meaning Lenin thinks that no one should be free to assemble. Or 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 whatever. Yeah, like no, the no, left no, thinks that no one should be free to assemble. There ever. couldn't there couldn't be multiple interpretations yeah. to that phrase. He, he couldn't say or or freedom of the press, right? He couldn't say that like we couldn't actually be we mean be that freedom of the press in somewhere like Britain today is actually a deception because most journalists basically just kind of will just write the same story anyway. No, it, he meet she he must have meant or the left must mean that freedom of the press is bad and things like mm. democracy rather than being interrogated and deepened and broadened and pushed to other other areas are bad because I can't understand a criticism of a thing I like except in the terms that I understand it because I am a fucking dunce. Yeah. It's just a it's just a little baby. It's just a little baby, but I like democracy and Lenin was mean about it. And it makes me feel sad when Lenin says mean things about freedom of assembly. Well, some of my friends work at newspapers yeah. and I don't see why Lenin doesn't like them. So the far left's mockery of the competitive institutions of bourgeois democracy and capitalism, its cynicism about the possibility of any objectivity in the media, civil service, or judiciary, has long had a right wing version to uh, Excuse too. me, do you mean has been objectively Proven many, many, many times. Give me the drop. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> oh, I was expecting the E one that time for some reason. Um, so, yeah, just but, as part of the Patreon, uh, like on a bonus episode only, I will replace mm. one drop at random with mm. E, 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 E. So she says that all of those critics, because they, like, then. It's not mock. It's it's. I mean, it's mockery, but it's criticism. Criticism implies yeah. the possibility for improvement. Well, but we know that that's not possible because the centrists are right. Like, look, history ended in 1989, and there have been some historical events since then, but they have been mistakes, <laughs> which should be corrected. History was supposed to... When Francis Fukuyama said history was over, it was fucking over. And everything, all the history that's happened since then, we're going to have to undo that. You better stop doing history now, because otherwise there's going to be much more of it to undo, buddy. Because I mean, is- we've got to go back to 1989 when everything was perfect. I mean, that's basically like the plot to tenor. I think, yeah. Based on my one, my, based, on, based on my like one uh, viewing of it the other day. Yeah. So awesome. she she says this. Check it out. That all those criticisms of, of the left, um, they all have a right wing version too. And Hitler's Germany is usually the example given. Both sides of the same yeah. coin. I mean, I mean to be to be fair, at least at least she correctly identifies a right wing government. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most factually correct thing she said so far. Oh, the Nazis are pretty right wing, huh? <laughs> so. The, the modern-day clerks in soft dictatorships, like Hungary or whatever, understand their role, which is to defend the leaders, however dishonest their statements, however great their corruption, that and however disastrous their impact the on ordinary people and previous, institutions. Their, their predecessors also did mm. that a lot. What, no, I was, I was pretty sure that Peter Mandelson has never steered me wrong. <laughs> no, Peter Mandelson Colin, is a lovely man. Colin Powell also, he once brought that nice cake to the UN. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when when Tim Geithner left his job overseeing the bailout to run literally a payday loan uh, industry advocacy group, that was just him taking a good job. Mm -hmm. Sorry, uh, James Ball here. Those are actually good. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yeah, again, I I, I don't want to keep doing like hitting the hypocrisy button. Right. But just the extent to which she's incapable of self-reflection is mind boggling. And again, this came out in 2020. This came out this year. 
Like, if I'd understand if this was written in 2015 when, like, these things were still, the cracks were starting to show and she was, like, trying mm. to grapple with them. But she's had five years of, like, it being very obvious, even to centrists, that this is happening. Yeah. <sighs> no, it's the children who are wrong. Yeah. They can exactly. be. So they say, uh, they, they, however dishonest their statements, however great their corruption, however disastrous their impact on ordinary people and institutions, the clerks can become very wealthy, receiving lucrative contracts or seats on company never boards. Never happened yeah. before this. Oh, and it's never happened to fucking Anne Applebaum. Yeah. <laughs> like, who just is like a sinecured idiot who just like writes stuff that means literally nothing, but I'm sure makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a oh, year. Actually, let's, let, let's look at her, um, her bibliography really quick. Uh, okay. Her other books have included, um, hang on, sorry, just tighten this up, it's because I'm now waiting Sudoku for Sudoku Gymnastics. Uh, you wish. <laughs> the logic uh, okay, of brain okay. thought. Uh, Red Famine, Stalin's War on Ukraine, Gulag, A History, Iron Curtain, The Crushing of Eastern Europe, well, 1944 to Gulag Voices, an Anthology. Um, Gulag Voices is my new rap group. <laughs> yeah. So, those are a few others of her, uh, of her top right. How'd all of mm. this far-right fascism get in my anti-communism? Hmm. Ah. Hmm. Oh, what a doozy. You know oh, Stefan... Oh, good morning, Anne. Will you be railing about the communists again? You know Stefan Bandera's grandson is on Twitter talking about how like leftists have too much white privilege? Oh, I did see that. It's hilarious. Uh, you know, sometimes the, po the post-left is right about like one or two things. <laughs> yeah. um, Stefan Bandera's grandson. <laughs> so, uh, any relation of Antonio Bandera? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no, Milo. Yeah. I Legally, wish I could live in there your head. is not. Yeah. No. Um, so, they <laughs> none. Twenty-three and me, zero percent, zero percent Banderas. So she says yeah. they can become very wealthy, receiving these lucrative contracts, and however badly they perform, they will never lose their jobs. Huh? Unlike Anne Applebaum. Matt, do you remember uh, just, Donald Rumsfeld? Do you remember when he went, like went to the troops who were getting blown up and were like, "Yeah, listen, sometimes you just get blown up." I don't know, man. And just like kept his job. I guess yeah. that's one of the known unknowns. Yeah, yeah it's it. it, it she she says you can call this sort. Of we got him. <laughs> she says you can call this sort of thing by many names: nepotism, state capture, corruption. But if you choose, you can describe it in positive terms. It represents, for them, the end of hateful notions of meritocracy, political <sighs> competition, and the free market. But Principles those that, by definition, that were never real. Yeah. Ah, I see you're doing an authoritarian sensibility, Alice. Uh huh. By it's saying that, by saying they were never real, you're saying they're also conceptually they would never have been desirable. I just, I, mm. I simply keep clapping my hands to make the free market come back again. <laughs> These people are just so annoyed that they've been outplayed at their own game. Yes. Like yeah. all the people who used to laugh at Donald Trump at cocktail parties because he would be like making himself a hot dog out of foie gras or something. And now like he's just in charge of everything. Like, the thing and he's is, like ruining their day and they're like, but it is the thing is, they're like the smarter ones of them, right? And the, the, even the smarter ones who like refuse to pivot to be like Trump guys, they knew, they always knew that meritocracy or the free market was bullshit, right? You have George to be. George Bush was. President. You really have to be deeply, deeply stupid, like within that own milieu, to still be believing this. 
I mean, you, you could. You, there is a cynical answer to this, right? Where which she doesn't. I, I think she does, though. Yeah. I think she does yeah. genuinely believe that the free market is real and that like objectivity mm. of the press is real and uh, meritocracy is real, and we were just gonna keep doing that until everything was good, and she, the party was never gonna stop. Hey, remember how Margaret Thatcher's idiot son got himself lost in the Dakar rally, had to be airlifted home only to be given a 12 million pound handshake part and signing the Al Yamama contract, which continues to spread death, destruction and misery today? <laughs> but in fairness, the reason why that happened to him, Riley, was that he'd never looked at a map before in his life and he didn't actually know what a map was. Which, considering he's performing pretty well. Yeah, and then that actually helped with the Al Yamama project. So. Hey, re remember how Barack Obama signed a $60 million Netflix deal after after leaving office. Hmm. Oh, what, is he, is he going to be on How I Met Your Mother? <laughs> <laughs> because she says, right. Oh, if you like your mother, says, you can keep her. She says, a rigged and uncompetitive system sounds bad if you want to live in a society run by the talented. But it sounds great if you want to write a fucking book like this. Yeah, but if it's your primary interest, what's what's wrong with it? So yeah, she keeps saying, oh, they're trying to profit off of their off of their government seats, and ah, oh, they're not they're not doing good with all this stuff. Oh and it's no, like, no one's ever done that. Yeah, it's it's this it's it's just it's this thing is this has always been the rules of the game. And she's basically complaining because someone told her the tooth fairy wasn't real. Mm -hmm. Wait, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> and you can't just, just say shit like that in the like, I'm sorry to many of the trash future listeners who are under the age of seven. <laughs> uh, you need to, right, Riley said something that he didn't mean, okay? <laughs> and uh, you, the Uncle Milo's here to tell you the tooth fairy very much is real. Uh -huh. And that those those pounds that she leaves you under your pillow is very important that you keep donating those to the Patreon. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> That's right. All right. Now you now you have a good evening, sport. Yeah, so like for example, in Poland, her big her big illustrative story is about like two brothers, uh, not the ones who where one of them died two in a Smolensk disaster. <laughs> the uh, two What's other ones. What's with Poles oh, and okay. identical twin brothers? Fuck. Uh, mm. It's a whole it's a whole thing there. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, basically, where one of them became, went to university and did well and became like a leading light of a center-right paper, and the other one asked for his brother for a job, was denied, ran a bunch of small-time scams, and then was offered the directorship of the Polish like state TV program awesome. by, um, the law, by the Law and Justice Party. Yeah, because he was jacked, that's <laughs> why. And, like, ba and basically, like, you know... And basically, just like ran it like Infowars, and has you know that has caused a lot of problems in Poland. But like the problem is, she never turns around and says like it's caused like political assassinations and stuff. It's real bad. But she never turns around and says, "Wait, well we well me and my friends were basically running stuff. Well, like the competent center right was running stuff. Why did we build? Why did we sort of?" arrange things so that like a gentle breeze and then like a two-time scammer and some youtube clips could come in and cause chaos in our society why did it have to be so fragile whomst could have predicted that the law and justice party would provide so little law and justice <laughs> but can you think of a fucking political party that has more of a name that says we're the evil guys yeah uh, well the thing is right um this is if, if for someone who is so obsessed with with like meritocracy and the idea that oh the only reason that people succeed in destroying our societies is they don't play by the rules or whatever and they love that they can win without having to be good at abstractly good at whatever task they're doing but wait how the fuck are you so meritorious if you built if if you and your friends ran a society that was so fucking fragile so there's another couple of conversations
uh, in discussion with a Hungarian former friend of hers. She says, mm. the other irony is how Diana Schmidt, far more than Orban, perfectly embodies the ethos of the Bolsheviks she genuinely hates. Uh-huh. Her cynicism is profound. Soros' support for Syrian cynicism refugees cannot be Cynicism was invented by Bolsheviks in 1917. Yeah. It must come from a deep desire to destroy Hungary. Obama's comments about a statue were not sincere. They must have reflected a financial relationship with Soros, blah, blah, blah. All of this recalls Lenin's contempt for the institutions of bourgeois democracy. You know what's really funny is how much uh, anti-Bolshevism and anti-communism was grounded in anti-Semitism. And so now all of this is just coming back round again. And Anne Applebaum has found herself being like, wait a second, all these people who are like blaming... Trotsky for like coming up with this secret evil plan to undermine the West. Some of them might be anti Semites now. Well, it's like mm. the, the the fact that like the anti communism just like took every ally it could find. It protected a lot of anti Semites, knowingly or unknowingly. Stefan Bandera. Yeah, there it is. Mm. A lot of those guys came over to the U.S. Canada. A lot of them. A lot of them went to Canada. It, yeah. Like specifically, no relation of Antonio Banderas. We can't stress that. <laughs> the, enough. There's a reason His why I have been in contact. <laughs> why I mentioned Stefan Bandera is that, like, for some reason, all of the Ukrainian nationalists and, and Nazi collaborators decided, huh. "Let's go fuck America. Let's go to Canada." Which is why the Ca- Canada has a gigantic Victims of Communism memorial that they built. That is to like a group of. They also have a, a memorial to an SS battalion. Yep. Oh, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. I mean, well, thank God that there are no Nazis in the Ukraine now. That's all I'll yeah. say. <laughs> so, thank God yeah. we dodged that bullet. So it's, it's, I think it's, it's not to say that like, I, I, I far, I do not want to like imply it at all, like that, like in terms of the anti Semitism stuff, that she did it to herself. No. That would be gross. But like the fact is, if you, if that anti, at doctrinaire anti communism, you're going to have a lot of fascists in there and a lot of fascists are anti Semites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, the UK, even in countries never occupied by the Red Army and never ruled by Latin American populists, yeah, except democracy- for Jeremy Corbyn, am I right? That's right. Mm. Democracy and free markets can produce unsatisfying outcomes, especially when badly yeah, regulated or when nobody trusts the regulators. When you starve to death, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I hate uh, it when it's badly or regulated. When people are entering the contest from very different starting points, I hate the losers when people oh. enter the contest from very different yeah. starting points. Again, shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up, Anne. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, awful writing. Mm. Um, so the losers of these competitions were always, losers. sooner or later, going to challenge the value of the competition itself. How is Trump a loser? He's very loser. wealthy and he never had to do any work. Doesn't yeah. make sense. Donald. Uh, more to the point, the principles of competition, even when they encourage talent and create upper mobility, don't answer deeper questions about national or personal identity. Anyway, time to not, time to not like, follow this thread anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, well, damn, it seems like, sir, it does sort of seem like inequality is a problem. Too good thing it's not the problem. Yeah. Um, she says, I worked at The Spectator, eventually as deputy editor, of from 92 till 96, in an era when the magazine was run by Dominic Lawson, a brilliant editor, still one of the best I've ever had. Uh, our summer parties and afternoon long lunches attracted an eccentric range of grand guests, from Alec Guinness and Clive James to Aubrey Waugh, Evelyn's son, to and many the charming of Argentinians with strange yeah. accents. <laughs> um, but in that era, the tone of every conversation, every editorial meeting was arch. Was every bounce. professional conversation was amusing. Bounce. There was no moment when the joke ended or the irony ceased. Even the straightest Endless articles irony. had fabulously witty headlines. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck. I'm bracing myself for this bit. Lawson came up with one I remember best for what uh, no, was no doubt meant to be a deadly serious article about Poland. 
Gdansking on thin ice. It's not good. It's not, <laughs> not even good funny. Joke. That's I what got him. I love jokes. I love bits. I do them for a fucking living. I spend most of my time trying to drag this podcast, kicking and screaming down fucking holes of stupid fucking voices <laughs> that don't even make sense. And even the worst bit I have ever done on this fucking podcast is better than Gdansking on thin ice, which isn't even a pun. It goes dance and dance. Well, dansk. So I guess like Danishing dansk. on thin ice because it's like gdansk because yeah. it's dansk is Danish. Danska. Exactly. Yeah. G- g- that's what that's what Danish people say when they greet each other in Australia. Yeah. Gdansk, mate. <laughs> yeah. So good pun. So that's, cool. this was an unusual historical moment, one in which Enoch Powell, a controversial anti-immigration Tory politician of a previous generation. <laughs> controversial anti-immigration <laughs> politician Enoch Powell. You might as well just go with like famed classical scholar Enoch Powell. Yeah. Like, just, just describe him like, notably, in the most Notably, like, you can, you, can in, you can like invite him to your offices or your garden parties, but you're not responsible yeah. for like... Well, Fascism ever. Well, you're, Famously mustachioed man. Well, you're, you're not because he's simultaneously an occasional lunch guest, a revered authority, but oh. also a figure of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, huh. we got him. Get yourself an anti immigration politician who can do all three. Yeah, but like, uh, it, all that means is they were comfortable enough with all of these ideas. He behaved they didn't have to himself take in polite company. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that he he behaves himself in polite company. It doesn't matter what he does. Also, what was the spectator? Was there a certain section the spectator might have been advocating for in the 1990s? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Section no, what, no, don't worry 30, about. Don't, don't, don't count above the numbers above like. Oh, mm. it's section section 28. That's the section. The, huh. the one. Who the, even the one remembers about- all the sections? Yeah. So and so no. again, it's like ah, oh, we we hate we don't we we really don't like Poland for like. You know, um, it's LGBT suppression or whatever, which is good. You shouldn't like places that do that. Yeah, but they but did. Just, we don't like it because they're rude about yeah. it. Yeah, but, yeah, but to then say, oh, but we're going to do it. I mean, she says, oh, that's whataboutery, which is, again, a concept invented by, it's invented by lazy people. In- to try to say, identifying my hypocrisy has lost you this debate. And yeah. so you are banished <laughs> from the mind yeah. octagon. Yeah, when you when you when you say that I have acquired all my jobs through nepotism, that is that is a philosophical fallacy yeah. called the nepotism fallacy. A, cla- a, cla- a classic gambit known as the bishop's pleasure. Yeah, the Michael Michael Gorka, Michael Gorka, <laughs> doing a philosophical fallacy. That's what they love these days. So, so he says there there were Tory there were Tory journalists and Tory MPs who would compete with one another around the dinner table to see who could do the best Enoch imitation. Yeah, I fucking so they basically. Bet. Uh, yeah, yeah but because, in their careers yeah. by adopting <laughs> yeah. his policies, <laughs> right? But equally, right? Like, okay, they weren't necessarily rev. Like, even says revered authority, but they weren't reverent of him all the time. They didn't say hi. I'm waking up this morning, and I respect Enoch Powell, and I agree with him. So I'm going to do all of his policies. That, that, no, that we're going to have no, a, that's a only jolly good a, time together. Yeah, that's mm. only how a grad school moron would think. All she's saying is that she has never understood this world she reveres so much. Enoch Powell sauntering into the Spectator Garden Party in like 1997 with a butternut squash on his head saying, does this make me look like Brendan O'Neill? <laughs> <laughs> so it would be profoundly inaccurate to say that the circle of people who gravitated around the Spectator mm. uh, was actually nostalgic for Britain's imperial past because oh, nobody no. in the 90s wished to actually have India back and nobody does now. Um, and that's all that being nostalgic about Britain's well, uh, imperial past means. She says that she says that what they're actually nostalgic for 
they are restorative nostalgic. Feel they like restore... pure shit. Just want India back. Yeah, they say yeah, that and they, the Wehrmacht. They say what about Hong want... Kong, by the way? Um, they believe that it was still possible for England to make the rules, whether the rules of trade, economics, or foreign policy, if only their leaders would take the bull by the horns, and if only they would just do it. And again, like, that's, I'll that's, hit a, the drop. that's a... You also, that was ticking in my heart. Change my state of mind. Ladies and gentlemen, so hard to find. we got him. Mm. Now, now we're vibing. So, right, and also, like, that's, that's A, that's not entirely wrong number one like yeah that is what that kind of nostalgia is all about like she's diagnosed that problem correctly but mm. like only 90s kids will remember yeah, but hasn't really sort of gotten any of the other problems around it and secondly you know we did just unilaterally invade iraq like it's not as though the with the international law was able to mm, stop us based yeah. international order yeah no also yeah. actually technically these... we multilaterally invaded it yeah also true also all of these people would have wished to have india back if it you know didn't have like nuclear weapons or mm. uh like 60 years of independence you know <laughs> her ex-wife india so let's 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 talk about the u.s because we're going a little long mm. uh <laughs> oh, there's no fascism says, there. We can skip this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is not to say that immigration and economic pain are irrelevant to the current crisis. Clearly, they are genuine sources of anger, distress, discomfort, and division. So, again, also, mm. that's her way of saying if you're mad about your neighbors who aren't white, and if you're about to die from a preventable illness, that's the same kind of mad. Yeah, you have Hopefully. like negative mood from that. It's bad vibes. Yeah. Uh, but as a, a complete explanation for political change, an explanation for the emergence of whole new classes of political actors, they are insufficient. So this, is, this, my, this next sentence you're about to read is like, if you, own, if you don't read the book, read this one sentence because it's as, as in-depth an analysis as you get, and it represents perfectly the like failure of neoliberalism to get to grips with. If you only read with, one like, Applebaum sentence, yes. read this one, read this which one. is all of them. Yes. Here it is. Um, I, I, I want I want the, I want the drop after this one. I want the bit the big fun one. Something else is going on right now. Something that is affecting very different democracies with very different economies and very different demographics all over the world. Uh, okay. Thank you, Anne. This this book is basically like just the lyrics to "We Didn't Start the Fire." <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it doesn't. It just it draws so few actual conclusions. It's just a list of stuff that's happened, and her going, yeah, well, that's not good. That's why people don't come to my party anymore. Yeah, we didn't yeah. start also, the fascism. Also, right, like all of these things that underpin American fascism, from like predatory capitalism to white supremacy, that frontier mentality, the militia movement. None of it's new. None of the expressions of fascism she's worried about are new, and it's not even like they're newly popular. Like. These were all nobody like, voted Gingrich's, for Reagan because yeah, they were racist. Yeah, Newt Gingrich's contract with America happened during her fabled end of history. Was it Newt Gingrich? Was it, fuck? Who was? Who was? It, that? Was, it was Newt Gingrich. Yes. Yeah, it was Newt Gingrich. Yeah, yeah. But that happened during her name. during her like halcyon days of the nineties when history was over. That was all happening. Yeah. It's just that they're newly widely respectable, right? And that just means that she's no longer important. There's been an elite fracture. And there's been an elite fracture that has been like the effect of that has been the effect of many, many big causes. And she's done. She's looked at that elite fracture as the cause of many, many big effects, mm. essentially. I mean, again, that's, which that, is, that's it, like another free line throughout the book, right? Which is that as you kind of read it, what the thing that keeps coming up is that she's sort of mad that like the people that she thought were 
on her side, or at least had her vision of the world, were kind of just like off, like careerists and opportunists, right? Which is hmm. like what they were designed to do. Like, again, that's like when you go through the institutions and when you believe in like you know meritocracy via the institutions, that is what you do. You you end up kind of you know you you are willing to kind of change your positions in order to climb up the ladder. And it sort of feels like even though she's not, she doesn't go against that. Her thing isn't like her thing isn't that she's mad at the people at her party because they've changed their views or like they've kind of like changed their vision of the world. It was because they sort of like outmaneuvered her. Yes. Um, this is, you know what this book is like? It's like <laughs> watching Anne Applebaum lose a game of musical chairs. Right. <laughs> that's the best way of putting it. Like, that's, that's absolutely yeah. the best way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. A lot. So, so, so basically, right? She keeps discounting the explanations of the left and right for why things are the way they are. So, here's where she gives her her like, because like the authoritarian person, like personality or whatever, and the clerks, like those people were all around. What changed recently that has caused all of this unraveling to occur? She says, alongside the revival of nostalgia, the disappointment with meritocracy, and the appeal of conspiracy theories, the answer may lie in. Say it with me now, everybody. Social media. media. <laughs> That's I right. I I literally said when we were doing the notes for this that Anne Applebaum has a less deep understanding of economics and a less material analysis than season five of Bones. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a, sh- a show in which, in the background, there is what characters refer to as the economic mess that causes yeah. people to lose their jobs. Yeah. That's not, that does not appear here. This is yeah. the book from the show Bones. This is the, this is the book from the show Bones. Yeah. Um, so a, a, a part of the answer may lie in the contentious, cantankerous nature of modern discourse itself. <laughs> so yeah, social media. Has anyone said this? Has anyone, has anyone uh. just like said an Applebee's? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. that's going to be Alice's new Twitter name. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, fuck me. And then and like, someone's going to call she her She just Anne. saw pig poop balls once and was like yes. this has given me some thoughts about democracy but I'm back so, again to the only centrist policy it should be illegal to at me yeah yeah, um, yeah because well the reason that's the only centrist policy is because centrism is it's really all about just a sort of imagined it's, it's, it's the divine right of SAT scores mm-hmm. right like I have these degrees I have these qualifications I'm going you can trust me to run the world I apolitically to, to make it school. best yeah. You can, I am Matt Ford, and I'm now going to be in the cast of Spitting Image, a show which they've brought back for some reason. I, I, I have, yeah. Matt Ford vehicle. For you. <laughs> he looks like a Spitting Image puppet of his fucking self. <laughs> I have some, I have some thoughts on like her social media thing, just like again as like a general through line throughout this book, which is, yeah, and it's all me. rooted in um, me deciding to rewatch Borgen season three on Netflix. <laughs> Borgen is a bad show and season three is like the worst of all the seasons, but it's also like the most relevant for our times because the whole plot of season three is that the, um, the Danish, the former Danish prime minister, the kind of uh, uh, the woman who's like at the protagonist of the show, she um, gets voted out at the end of season two and season three, she starts off as kind of like a international speaker who gives these speeches that aren't really about anything other than like, we don't really get on very much. And then she decides that like, um, after her former party, like reject her on the basis that like, you know, you're old news, you've already been prime minister. Why the fuck are you here? Go on holiday. News. Um, she decides to set up her own party called the new democrats and there's like a seat there's a scene in one of the beginning of these episodes where um she's kind of talking about how her party's really popular because they received ten thousand likes on facebook 
Um, and it's a line that I've just been thinking about a lot just in terms of, cause like the whole season, as uh, she's kind of producing this kind of new centrist party again, is one where like, she doesn't actually have any answers to the problems that like arguably she has created. You know, one of the big problems is like, you know, the kind of ongoing refugee crisis that is like been one of the kind of big things that characterize her premiership she has no answers for like that other than like we should just be nice to each other terms like capitalism and socialism are outdated um we need new terms for these things and all of that just reminded me of like everything in the Anne applebaum book again one of those things where you can sort of diagnose a problem but you can't bring yourself to like actually engage in the solution and Same. one thing one thing yeah. that Anne applebaum says in about regarding social media is she says something along the lines of like, Twitter is a great place to be um, ironic and uh, satirical. And it makes sense that because of the fact that you're ironic and satirical, that you'll end up getting candidates who are ironic and satirical as well, right? Um, But wait, also, were all of her friends doing ironic and satirical impressions of Enoch Powell all the time at The Spectator? How's that different? They've got ironic Enoch Powell. The only only difference, and this is kind of where I think the centrist kind of, the real like centrist head fuck is, is that like, while they were all doing this in private at The Spectator Garden Party, where presumably they got to say the N-word and stuff. Yeah, um, and control who get, came in. Right. They now have to like yeah. confront- this- Actually have an N-word talking <laughs> stick at the Spectator Garden Party. They now have to like confront this thing, this like this machine, which like allows anyone to not just kind of like say stuff at them that they have no control over, but who are also like markedly funnier than any of the friends that they ever had at like their dinner parties, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, not funnier than Gdanskin <laughs> on thin ice. <laughs> How is so, that? What same. kind of fucking illegal Russian nuclear lab has that come out do, of? Do you, want to, do you want to start a side podcast with Riley called the Borken Island Lootfisk? Oh, fuck. Yeah, let's do it. Let's fucking <laughs> That's do it. That's very funny. Fucking yes, yeah, we right. will do that. But, Borken so, Island hey, rotting fish. Do you, do you want to hear some uh, materialism from someone who appears to be suffering the effects of smoke inhalation? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So this is this is the if you're trying to do a materialist analysis of um, of the Internet and understanding how the Internet relates to the world. Again, this is the kind of materialist analysis you would do if you've just been like suffered a workplace injury Mm -hmm. or perhaps like gotten CTE. You're taking plot in an ad for workplace safety. Yeah. A forklift truck is just backed into the back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> the rapid shift in advertising money to internet companies has, within a decade, severely damaged the ability of both newspapers and broadcasters to collect and present information. The most common business model based on advertising to the general public meant that they were forced to serve a general public interest and forced to maintain at least a theoretical commitment to objectivity. Please enjoy this. Please what? enjoy this drop that I have of <laughs> Silvio Berlusconi's campaign song. Presidente, siamo con te. Yeah, they could be biased, bland, and boring, but they filtered egregious conspiracy theories out of the debate. So they could be biased, but they filtered egregious conspiracy theories out of the debate. Has this woman ever read a fucking newspaper? I mean, like, does she not remember like when the Daily Mail like came out for the Nazis? Like, does she not? Does she not remember this? Or worse uh, than that, the no. time the time the sun came out for Blair. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, or uh, what about? <laughs> I, uh, we are not sure. It's worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what about the time right where um I don't know. What about the conspiracy theory that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction that was put in the all what? of these papers? Oh, uh, sorry. The tooth the tooth fairy thing is real, but I'm afraid that's not real. Yeah. Um, Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but like. We got him. Remember, like, 
all of those newspapers, there was a massive lockstep conspiracy theory. It was just an elite conspiracy theory. Mm. And so, like, and again, this is someone who is not recognized. It's a chimp that doesn't recognize itself in the mirror. You know, it, it, it does not understand that the her only problem seems to be to shreds. She, her only problem seems to be that she's no longer on the inside. Um, oh no! Yeah. Above all, the old newspapers and broadcasters created the possibility of a single national conversation mm. in many advanced oh, fuck democracies. Off. Fuck off! Yeah, it created the possibility of a single national conversation because no one else had any kind of voice. Isn't that, yeah, isn't that, that simplicity, where- which is the authoritarian mindset? Oh, she no, should so- just get a fucking podcast. Like literally, you can, you and your friends can have a conversation, and no one can interrupt you. And all they can do is just like angrily post about it online. But you don't care because they don't get to interrupt. That's, right. for That's instance, just what the media used for to instance, be. What she wishes people still keep is. telling me to use fewer drops. To which I can only say, "You're a big guy." For you, <laughs> for you, it doesn't right, even so- make any sense. But I can't. You can't stop me from using it. It's two so, clicks. No. You're a big so guy. So you need for you. So yeah. you need a single national conversation between the people who've graduated through the meritorious institutions, and then they have a debate amongst themselves, yeah. and that everyone else just sort of, I don't know, s- sits there and, and, and with their thumb in their ass and looks up in the sky. Mm. Just yeah. walks around with their mouth completely open, just hoping that some like protein flies it's into good it. good for breathing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let alone, oh, we, so, we mostly subsist on plankton here at the Centrist Institute. In many advanced democracies, there's now no there's yeah. now no common debate, <laughs> let alone a common narrative. In an information sphere without authorities and no trusted sources, there's no easy way to distinguish between conspiracy theories and true stories. You go, okay. Just, oh, just what the fuck? Like, what? This is like, you know, th- th- we've reached a point in the episode where I, I have stopped finding it funny and I've begun to just grow weary of an and apple pie. Eat, eating, eating the, the sand. paste, yeah. eating the wet sand. Yeah, you've been eating sand. Like, how do you write this? Okay. And, like, this is like if you asked me to write a parody of what a dumb centrist book would be like. Like, how do you actually write this and then yeah. email it to a fucking publisher without reading it back and being like, no, nah, this is the dumbest shit I've ever read. Yeah, only life. because how do, how everything do you... else you've ever written has been published with no questions asked. Yeah. How, mm. how for example, do you, write, do you write the opinion that mass advertising means that fact-checking has to be rigorous and not then just sign yourself back into preschool and start again. Yeah, get the blocks out. <laughs> she says, here's, okay, here's, a, here's a paragraph. I'm going to sort of start wrapping up soon. But <laughs> and Applebaum just like loves Stretch Armstrong. Here, here's a paragraph that was ghostwritten, I think, by um, Steven Pinker or someone from an Intelligence uh, X.0 series. Awesome. Modern democratic institutions were built for an era of very different information technology and provide very little comfort for those who yeah, are back angered in the day, by the we dissonance. didn't have computer, but now we have too much computer. Yeah. I was Vo- wearing an onion on my belt, which was the style at the time. Voting, campaigning, the formation of coalitions, all this seems retrograde. It, you know, it's in the world very where difficult things- to be fascist if you don't have computer. Incidentally, can I tell you a funny garden party anecdote about the time I hung out with Enoch Powell? <laughs> Uh, my low avizandum over here um, mm. All this seems retrograde In a world where other things can happen so quickly And here's the bit that I actually find delightful You can press a button on your phone And buy a pair of shoes But it can take months to form a government coalition in Sweden oh, No, it was written by Raphael, Raphael Baer. Baer It's Raphael Baer <laughs> <laughs> 
What is, this is like all of these people are like Adam Curtis with a brain parasite. But like, then uh, a shoes you happened. You can push a button. You can push a button and buy a pair of shoes. But then in Stockholm, something else was transpiring. Uh, you can download a movie with the flick of a wrist. You wouldn't I download a shoe. I don't think you can. How do you download a movie with a flick of the wrist? You download the movie and then you flick the wrist, baby. That's what happens. But it takes years to debate a problem in the Canadian Parliament. Uh, no, really drinking the fine wines of Ontario. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. microclimate. Yeah, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Like, like, oh man, we should be you, able you can, to like you can you can get a fake taxi in seconds, but a real taxi. Yeah, well, maybe maybe if Mr. Trudeau wasn't so busy over there buying shoes on his telephone, we could resolve this issue about the maple syrup. Where else is he gonna get the polish? I think yeah. the point she's trying. <laughs> I think the point. She means a lot. I, the hands Jackson too. Trudeau. <laughs> I think the point she's trying to make. Okay. Is that because things happen fast on the internet? Yeah, that's right. But happen slowly in the halls of government. Yeah, yeah. People who are used to the internet become fascist while waiting. Uh, okay. Uh, fascism while you wait. Hate to see that. Like that is very day. Every time your order takes a while at McDonald's, you don't know the yeah, kind of people, risk you're under. People famously become fascist because it takes uh, too long for them to um, order their policy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if mm. at the most generous interpretation, the most generous, it is that because is that the that someone like a like fascist will offer you a fast solution to a complex problem, mm. and because so many other things in your life are simple, made by technology. You also want simple solutions. There is no... Ver- I'm trying to be as charitable as possible with this paragraph, and you cannot just get out from under the crushing cloud of moron fog. Perfect. Can um, we skip so to the second party? Uh, no, the, the one more, and then we can skip to the second party. The issue is not merely one of false stories, incorrect facts, or even election campaigns. Okay. People click on the news they want to hear. If you click on a perfectly legitimate anti-immigration YouTube site, Ooh. for example... Oof. Oof. Did she say YouTube? Did she say YouTube site? Yeah, yep. yeah, a YouTube site on the YouTubes. I was on the Facebook the other day. I was essentially I, yeah. I was on a perfectly on legitimate anti-immigration yeah. Facebook. Just a fucking yeah. dummy. I happened upon a thinker called Stefan Molyneux. He's very yeah. smart. You should check him out. <laughs> These can lead quickly. These can lead quickly to white nationalist sites oh, and no. violent xenophobic oh, sites. Oh, no. Probably because they were white nationalist sites that you were <laughs> yeah. originally on. Yeah. Why ha- did all this white nationalism get in my white nationalism? I, I, ha- I actually have a note little here. Often as many as zero clicks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, she does the same thing about America. I don't. I don't even really want to read some pages of that. and pages of this shit. <sighs> yeah, where the she's like, it, the, like how- the like big thing is where Trump was asked about Putin, and Trump said he's a killer. There are a lot of killers. You think we're so innocent? And it's like, yeah. But she's yeah. like, no, no, no. You've got to instead of that, you've got to have Reagan shining city on the hill, which was yeah. not racist, mm. and nobody voted for Reagan because they no. were racist. Yeah, uh, uh, what and what 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 she says right is that instead of seeing ourselves at the heart of a great international alliance for good, we're indifferent to the fate yeah. of other nations, including some that share our values, right? And then after that, she talks about how it used to be fun in the 1990s when you'd go to a party and and like 
in, in DC and you'd <laughs> see James Atlas, David Frum, Bill Crystal, John Podoritz, Roger Kimball, and Dinesh the, the, D'Souza. Oh, this, Is that the, James, Atlas, James Atlas from Atlas Struck? <laughs> this party, by the way, contains my favorite paragraph from the book, which I described as the centrist version of the end of the perks of being a wallflower, which it, <laughs> let me allow me to read before we yeah, wrap go up. Ahead. Laura Ingram who had been a clerk to Supreme yeah, Court famously Justice. Famously never given a, you know, never not a fascist, no. and never has been until recently when she was turned fascist because Twitter made her used yeah. to things happening her fast. Her arm just yeah. did that. Who had been a clerk to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and was then an attorney at a Tony law firm. In the penultimate oh. paragraph, Atlas finds himself near midnight careering through the streets of downtown Washington with David Brock in Ingram's military green Land Rover at 60 miles an hour looking for an open bar while the music of Buckwheat Zydeco blasted over the stereo. <laughs> oh, so in that moment, I Take swear we were pill. infinite. <laughs> I uh, fucking love that. Just, just yeah. Oh man, this is it's, oh oh for these lost times when I used to hang out with Dinesh D'Souza <laughs> looking for an open bar room. in DC <laughs> and listening to buckwheat Zydeco. <laughs> oh, for these lost halcyon salad days. I had never heard of buckwheat Zydeco until that moment, <laughs> and in all honesty, I never have to listen to them to know exactly what their music is uh, like. Do we th- do yeah. we think we can get buckwheat Zydeco as the outro this time? I'm yeah, sure Nate you know, can do that. Do you know what this book like, sort of just, I just realized that this book also reminds me of something that happened this week, at the week of recording. Um, which mm-hmm. is, do you remember um, when Lawrence Fox did his tweet um, about how uh, one of his friends blocked him on Twitter because he kept like posting inane like, shit? It was only like 15 hours ago, Hussein. I think even we remember I mean, it. Look, I, I, I'm not I like, do you know, not in fact remember exactly, it because like, fascism is making my brain move too exactly, fast. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, these days, the, you know, you might have ordered a taxi and forgotten about that stuff that happened, but also like want to mm. like deport loads of people. Um, but mm. he put, so he like, he posts out like the DMs of like this person who's like quite reasonable to him about like, you know, about why this kind of like, did, like this broken friendship happened. And I realized that like what Anne Applebaum has basically done is like, she's trying to put her old friends on blast um but she's doing it in a book which by all kind of means is just like a big post anyway mm. mm-hmm. what are all books but a big post that's, that's what i keep saying i keep saying <laughs> sorry i choked on my own spit there yeah so yeah, I, 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 there is a whole bunch of her being like, how come people aren't so stoked on America's mission of global democracy spreading or whatever? Mm, which Why like won't people come to the launch of my book about how the Holodomor was the worst thing that's ever happened, and that's why we can't do mild social democracy? I don't even, I don't yeah. even think that like she's actually that mad about people kind of not believing in that vision. It's more the fact that like, and I think I said they this won't earlier, get into her Land Rover. Well, yeah, it's also it's also just that people who she thought kind of bought into the vision, but were actually just like people who were playing the long game. Because again, this is something that like they have been built to do, um, have kind mm-hmm. of occupied positions of power that she just hasn't been able to. So now, um, you know, because she's kind of like put her chips on the table, and because she kind of missed this kind of tide because she was too enchanted with like the '90s parties and like all the stuff that happened there. Um, she's just like, this is really is a book about like lamenting, but it's also a book about how like she basically got left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anne Applebaum yeah. loses a game of musical chairs. 
Yeah, it, it's she is no lo- she is now surplus to the requirements the music of the right. Buckwheat Zydeco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is now she's surplus to the is the requirements of the right. It's that simple. They no mm-hmm. longer need grad school dummies, and so no one's going to go hang out with you because all of these people are like careerist, backstabbing, backbiting psychopaths. It's that Dinesh D'Souza was just that little bit slipperier than you, basically. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm. I feel like Brendan O'Neill could talk about the buckwheat zydecos of Islington North. (laughs) (laughs) So let's wrap up on the last party. Uh, In August 2019, we threw a party. This time, the party was in summer, and so there was sunbathing in the grass and swimming in the pond instead of snow and sleigh rides. Fuck off. Swimming in the pond? How big of a pond is this? Mm. Um, Some of the guests were familiar. One friend who came from New York in 99 returned this time with his husband and son. A Polish couple came without children who'd, th- who'd themselves grown up and married. Um, it was August, which was fitting as we'd thrown the party in honor of Pinochet. <laughs> Nobody's popping off with a Makarov here, though, which is yeah. much less fun. <laughs> yeah, the group that came from... Yeah, a bad party. It's her party's worse. Yeah. Um, a group that came from Warsaw included a few fellow refugees from what could be called the right. Oh, they were murdered by Frontex. Okay. Remember, remember earlier legitimate anti-immigration sites. So Europe dealt dealt with this refugee problem. The real people who are fleeing persecution is me from the yeah, fact I'm, that like I am politically my, like, homeless, unlike yeah. actual homeless people who are yeah. like not. <laughs> the real problem of homelessness yeah. is the politically homeless. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Applebaum going up to a homeless person and go like, "You're actually lucky. I'm politically homeless." Yeah, yeah. Yes. And Applebaum going up to a homeless person and be like, "Did my husband burn a fifty pound <laughs> note in front of you in order to like ironically get into an ironic club with his ironic friends?" Mm. Um, there were of course others too, including neighbors from the village, some mayors of some nearby towns, and a small group of friends from abroad. At one point, I noticed the local forest ranger engaged with a heated discussion with former Swedish foreign minister Carl Bildt. <laughs> okay. Other <laughs> hand. <laughs> Cool. No, That's they so have epic. they have ruined Fortnite with the new skins. I will not listen to your view. Like, why would you want to go to a party and bicker with like a local a sort of forest senior... ranger? Yeah, why would you want to go to a party and bicker with Carl Bilt? That sounds like it sucks. I tell you what is a bigger problem than forest fires. They make the titties smaller in the video games. Yeah, what, what, might as well have a fucking Gamergate conversation with him. Who cares? Jesus. Mm. Another point, I saw a well-known lawyer who is the grandson of a notorious Polish nationalist uh, of the 30s. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh cool. Oh, oh. They love telling uh, on themselves. A notorious what of the where of the when? <laughs> Engrossed in conversation mm. with a London-based friend who was born in Ghana. Not racist, that's just don't like him outside a garden yeah. party. Simple as. That's, yeah. That's just it, right? Like, yeah, I got this grandson of notorious Polish nationalist talking to a guy who's uh, not European. Yeah. It's actually very... This is interesome. Yeah. In the pr- he was talking to Jerk van der Klerk, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing a, all of his tr- grandfather's medals. Yeah. And so basically, mm. this Hussein, earlier you said like she doesn't have any kind of ideas. She said he were she basically just says, oh, man, this is bad, but it might be a turning point. Maybe my children and their friends, all, uh, all of our friends and all of us really who w- want to go on living in a world where we can say what we think with confidence, where rational debate right. is, is possible. Right. I, this is also like another uh. fucking liberal tendency as well. Like it's the same type of tendency, which is sort of like, you know, um, that kind of valorized Gen Z because they're basically kind of pushing their problems onto them. It's basically like this thing of like, well, you know, um, we have no more ideas. Um, the yeah. world isn't kind of the way mm. that we wanted it to be. So we're just going to like hang out and you guys can solve the problems. Um, and we'll just like keep hyping mm. you up on TikTok. Yeah. 
It's the end of the book as we know it. <laughs> almost, almost. Um, uh, also, as where rational debate is possible. Again, it is possible. You just don't like it. Just one, yeah. one, like, one last mouthful of sand. Yeah, mm. where knowledge and expertise are respected. Like, again, just sorry no one wants yeah, to go no. to your seminar why we should invade Belarus. Mm. Uh, and where borders can be crossed with Legitimate ease. anti-immigration yeah. YouTube yeah. sites. Yeah. The borders yeah. into Belarus well, by the NATO coalition, which also, I like, formed. Okay, where borders can be crossed with ease. Yeah, for you and your rich friends, like, gestures to the like field of corpses along mm -hmm. the southern Mediterranean. It's not a field, mm. it's wet. Well, that actually happened because of a breakdown of debate, and people people were being very mean online. Yeah, if people hadn't posted the pig poop balls in response to Anne Applebaum and her friends, those started. people would not have needed to drown in the Mediterranean. It all, it all started when that pig took that ship. It uh, did. Uh, <laughs> that was when it went wrong. That is the grand axis of history. Uh, we may be doomed, like glittering multi-ethnic Habsburg Vienna or creative decadent oh. Weimar Berlin. Uh, no, 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 uh, no, 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 you're not weaseling out of it with the Weimar thing that easily. No, what it, uh, read me back the, the Austro-Hungarian thing again. We may be doomed, like glittering multi-ethnic Habsburg Vienna. <laughs> So in 1848, when uh, they marched on the palace of Ferdinand I of Austria, uh, he asked von Metternich what was going on, and he said they're, made, they're doing a revolution, and Ferdinand said in this extremely fucked Viennese German, you're Dürfenstein death, are they allowed to do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. To be yeah. swept away His into a was just full of black water. <laughs> it oh, is look look that up we are... a portrait of Ferdinand yeah. I. in uh, Brendan O'Neill face on Let's like. Let's make that be the episode art. Yes, please. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, to be swept away into irrelevance. It is possible that we are already living through the twilight of democracy, that a civilization may be already heading for anarchy or tyranny, as the Correct. ancient philosophers and America's founders once feared. The end! That's the only correct part of the whole book, is where yeah. she's like, maybe it's fucked. Yes. Yeah. But also, it's like, maybe it's fucked. But more importantly, cancel culture on campus. Check out my weird-shaped yeah. head. Yeah, we shouldn't do anything about it. Yeah, the problem isn't actual fascism. The problem is some people on campuses well, who, yeah. even a lot of people on the left are like, yeah, those people can be tiresome sometimes. Well, also, this fixation also represents like the only thing that they think they can change, right? And this kind of goes with the whole like an Applebaum obsession with debate. Is one where it's like, well, if we can't like force our, if we can't like force um, institutions to be like as prestigious as we felt that they were when we were like in our twenties or like when when we were teenagers, then we can like force other people to like have yeah. that experience. So if we can't like, this if we can't improve like wider society in any way, we're gonna just reform mm. uh, or we're 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 gonna change campus culture. By which that yeah. means everything's gonna be a debating society. But also, also, it means it, they look at like just the 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 coterie of like used car salesmen that have taken over right wing politics. And the answer, I guess, has been to say, can't we can't we tell everyone how great it was in the time where all the stuff happened that caused them to follow the used car salesman? Yes. Yeah, I loved it when stuff happened. It, 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 yeah. it is just perks of being a wallflower, but for the yeah. biggest nerds. History is just one yeah. thing after another. Dorks, just just a this is this is like id Paul id Paul for lanyard dorks. That's what this is. <laughs> yes, mm. come to my come to my party. You have to come to my party. Um, Jeremy Bentham said you have to come to my party. Mark is not invited. Buckwheat Zydeco. Mm. 
<laughs> All right. Um, I caught I caught Mark, my friend Carl Marx having a fascinating conversation with a huge pile of linen coats, <laughs> which really shows how we can you know form bonds across divides. But hey, uh, we've gone forever. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, to all of my co-hosts once again, thank you. To all of our listeners once again, thank you. Mm. Uh, to Ann Applebaum, stop writing books, please, please, please stop writing God, books. We will pay you to stop yeah. writing. We will not pay you. We will not. We will not pay we you to stop writing books. You. Uh, but please stop writing books because we will not make fun of any more of your books if you stop writing books. Yeah. Um, uh, and we are going to see you on the Patreon five bucks a month on Thursday. I think there's another Britonology actually. Yeah, there week. probably is. We've recorded yeah. lots of them now. So they'll, an, be, they'll be coming out. Yeah, another, be, you'll be getting those. Yeah, another Britonology this week. So do yeah. look forward to that. Um, mm. And otherwise, also we might be getting kicked out of our office, so yo, we need we, your Patreon not- money more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's 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 not say too much more about that. Um, <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> uh, it is a secret. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it's not because the woke the- left are kicking us out of our office. <laughs> cancel, cancel culture. culture. Yeah, yeah, they're kicking us out of our office on this campus uh, yeah. just because of this anti-LGBT sticker. Exactly. Uh, we do not, ha- we do not have one of those. That's a reference not- to something we said earlier in not the episode. E- not even ironically. Um. Anyway, all right. Uh, I think that's about it. I'll see you all on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Bye.